Welcome to tonight's California Haunts Radio. It's great to be here. How is everybody tonight? Well, I hope you're all doing good because I am. I was supposed to be really hot today, but it just decided to stay at 88 instead of 90, so that makes me happy. But uh, welcome all, welcome all. I'm sorry about the camera mix-up. Um, I usually don't shut the camera off like I did, and it just got confusing when I went to power up. Anyhow, welcome. My name is Charlotte. I'll be your host for the next hour or so. Um, I am also the owner and founder of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. You can find us at www.californiahaunts.org. You can also find this radio show at www.californiahauntsradio.com. So we do have a website that has really cool information featuring, like today's show will be posted up there shortly, and um, you'll be able to see who's coming up in advanced shows as well. So... Uh, Anyway, I want to let you guys know about our t-shirts. We've got some California Haunts Radio t-shirts coming out. And I should have the design up and running probably by the end of the week. So you guys can take a look at them. Um, some of them will be free. Some of them will cost you. So, you know, that's a nice donation coming over to California Haunts Radio so we can maintain and keep things going. But I think you're going to like the design. I kind of, I worked, I, I, did, I did a bunch of hard work on it. And I, and then I think it suits what, what what we do here and uh, i think you'll like it um on the going along that line to tell you a little bit getting guests for this show is an all-day job so to say i don't mind doing it i love doing it i love getting great people like like our guest tonight larry jorgensen to come on the show but it is time consuming and so i want to know what you guys want to hear so if there's anybody that you've heard of or some you know any other shows that that you've listened to that you've heard of that that you would like to have featured on this show, let me know. Give me a name. I'll look it up. And if I book that person on the show, I will send you a free t-shirt. How's that grab you? And to sweeten the deal a little bit, what I'll do is I'll show you the t-shirt before the show starts. I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell everybody who made the suggestion. And then I'm going to drape the t-shirt right back here, right back here on my chair. And then I'm going to lean against it. That way you know if it's been in the show. Okay, I don't want to wear it because I think that's kind of kind of yucky. So I'd rather do it that way. And then I can mail you your shirt. The other thing we're working on getting is some California Haunts sunglasses. Wouldn't that be cool? California Haunts radio sunglasses that you guys can wear. Have them red, you know, and they're UV sensitive and all that. So we're working on getting stuff like that for you guys. But in the meantime, that's what we're going to be doing is with these t-shirts. So that's the latest. Um, I'm also going to offer them at the Patreon as part of, you know, one of the Patreon packages. And uh, be sure to check our Patreon out, too. I'll have to get an address put down on the bottom for that at some point. Anyway, again, welcome to the show. And the guy, the gentleman we have on, this is the third time we've had him on. And he is one of our most favorite guests. We have learned so much from him about Coca-Cola and, 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 and what it's taken to, to make Coca-Cola what it is today. And he has, I, I believe he's done updates to his book. And he had asked specifically to come on before the Indy 500. And as you can tell, obviously, you know, this is the Wednesday be, be, before the 500, I think. I could be wrong. But this is the Wednesday before the 500. And so I decided to have him on. And I've got a special, I got, in fact, I have a special product to ask him about that. Pamela and Tim, one of our, a couple of our loyal listeners, alerted me to that I didn't even know existed because I have never seen him out here on the West Coast. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Larry on and let's see, let's see how Larry's doing today. Hey, how's it going? It's uh, we made it almost to Memorial Day, and we're ready to talk about uh, the Indy 500 and whatever else 
Coca-Cola that you'd like to talk about tonight? I did it for you. I want to get you on before before Memorial Day. So let's before the for the people that don't know who you are, let's get a little bit of background on you. Well, I I guess you know background is a long story, but to <laughs> summarize, I'm an old news dog, radio, TV, uh, print, the whole stick, and uh, now I'm writing books, and I've gotten uh, deeply involved in tracking the history of. Coca-Cola, but I don't mean Coca-Cola corporate. I mean the people all over the United States that decided, you know, bottling Coca-Cola might be a pretty good adventure. And so they really made Coca-Cola. And my books are about these Coca-Cola pioneers, who they are, where they are, and what they did to achieve success with Coca-Cola. It's called it's the Coca-Cola Trail. You can travel it. Uh, you can you can look at places and say, "Gee, I think I'd like to go there." And you can go, and when you're there, you'll be able to read about why it's part of the Coca-Cola Trail. You know, that kind of reminds me about um, when, when I was a newspaper reporter working for some, some of the smaller Foothill newspapers, and one of the one, one of the assignments I got was to look for old gas stations. And so I, I was going up and down, you know, the gold country and looking for these these mom, these old mom and pop gas stations. And I'm, I'm just thinking about all the Coca-Cola I found, you know, all the Coca-Cola machines and signs I saw in these old gas stations when, when I, was, I was driving around. Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, old gas station museums and mm-hmm. there are actually some that are still operating uh, and they have become a, a favorite spot for my book. Uh, it, they attract the kind of people that are interested in the old gas stations that you were looking for. And part of those old gas stations certainly were get yourself a cold bottle of Coca-Cola while you're here. That's fabulous. And, you know, and, and they're all over. You, you know, you take the Highway 66, for example, is just, one of the most favorite places to travel for memorabilia. Old gasoline stations, uh, museums, uh, old country stores, places that, that really bring back the memories of when Coca-Cola first started. Well, you know, um, it's interesting because, you know, not only, you know, as far as Coca-Cola goes, not only, um, you know, do you find the, the machines? You also can find the art. There was a lot of tin art made, you know, of even Betty Boop carrying carrying a Coke bottle. It's kind of cool to find. It's kind of cool to locate those things. It's like those guys on TV, you know, when they go through those barns and find this stuff. It's really cool to go to different places. Even some of those 50s themed restaurants, you know, that you go into, they have a lot of that stuff in there too. And it's really cool to see. Well, and, and the Coca-Cola collectors, they're after the original stuff. You know, there's been a lot of reproductions and uh, a true collector of memorabilia will know the difference. You know, you look at it close, you know if it's an original or if it's memorabilia, if it's a, a reproduction of memorabilia. But you're right, they're all over the place. And, you know, ironically, once a year, all these Coca-Cola collectors get together for a big convention and they bring all these old signs and, and bottles and all kinds of, you name it, Coca-Cola's on everything. 
and they bring it all to the convention and they swap and so forth. This year, the convention is the first weekend after July 4th, and it's in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it'll bring in a lot of people with a lot of Coca-Cola memorabilia. Now, I have a question for you, because we were talking about different Coke products last time you were on, you know, you were on, we were talking about, you know, the, the, the different types of Coke and the flavors and all that. Pamela Schmidt and her husband were out traveling and they sent me a photo, which I darn it, I don't have it right now, but they actually found Tic Tacs, Tic Tac flavored Coca-Cola. And I have yep. never heard of that in my life. That's, that's relatively new. And, okay. and again, you know, what, what Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola doesn't make them. They license the use of their name. You know, um, Jelly Belly has, has made Coca-Cola Jelly Bellies. You know, it's, Coca-Cola is such a, an attractive collector's item and, and so popular. I mean, that, that was the thing with the book. When I said Coca-Cola, automatically... I knew I had a winner because of the, the just the fan following of the name Coca-Cola. So yeah, the Tic Tacs have been out about a year, I guess, a little over a year. And uh, you know, it's the the company that makes Tic Tacs got licensed from Coca-Cola to make Coca-Cola Tic Tacs. Um, you'll see that show up in a lot of things, and you'll also see with Coca-Cola. Um, they will get into, and as far as corporate Coca-Cola, they will get into and out of products. Uh, they recently announced that the Coca-Cola uh, energy drink will soon be phased out in the United States. It will still be available in England and so forth. But they've decided, you know, Coca-Cola has got a, a pretty large ownership in Monster. And they were kind of competing with themselves there. And um, they just decided uh, we're going to phase out Coca-Cola energy and let Monster run with it. Monster is obviously one of the top two in in the energy drinks. So and that, that's what happens. Coca-Cola will try something. Um, right now, the Coca-Cola coffee is hot. That uh, that's a pun, and it's not supposed to be consumed hot. But anyhow, it it's a very popular beverage. It's been out about a year, and it's in three flavors, and uh, it's doing real well. I think it'll be around for a while. I bet that wakes people up. Uh, yeah, it. You know, I have to let you in a little secret. Um, I decided to try it, and what I found out because because I don't drink extensive amounts of Coca Cola. I like mm -hmm. it. But, uh, you know, it's not, I got to have one every, you know, three, four times a day. I found with the Coca-Cola coffee, if I open a can and let it get close to flat, the coffee flavor really comes through. The, you know, the carbonation kind of mellows that, that flavor. But open it up. This is just my own little thing. Uh -huh. uh, Coke Corp probably doesn't recommend this, but um, <laughs> I, I open it up, let it get flat, and you really get the flavor of the, of the coffee. And it's got three different flavors, and, and it, it's pretty good. Now, maybe my sister who's listening can correct me on this, but did Coca-Cola um, market out for clothing at one time? Well, again, it's in fact, that's funny you mentioned that. I saw on the Internet today a company that makes the 
Hawaiian shirts, you know, the wild, crazy <laughs> Hawaiian shirts. And they were promoting a Coca-Cola Hawaiian shirt. It is outstanding. It's got all kinds of Coca-Cola logos on it, some of the memorabilia, uh, full-size um, imprint of a Coca-Cola bottle. It's great. And it's, it's typical Hawaiian, extremely colorful, and just the whole shirt is covered with Coca-Cola. You can probably find it on the internet. First time I'd seen it was today. So yeah, they again, it's license it out. You know, we don't make it. We we've got the name. You license it. And you can make a lot of money. Well, um, I'm just wondering because I remember my sister and brother weren't. And I can't remember. I was a little kid back then, you know, but I can't remember if it was Pepsi or Coke. But I know they had bell bottoms and they had shirts. And hats. So I don't remember if it was Coke or Pepsi. So my sister who's listening, maybe she remembers. Because I know my dad bought them. Some of that stuff, it's not all necessarily licensed out to private vendors. Because Coca-Cola, they have their Coca-Cola museums and their, their Coca-Cola uh, dealers throughout the country, distributors or whatever you want to call them. They have products that they want to get out in their communities. So a lot of times Coca-Cola will go to a shirt manufacturer and have them make a shirt with a specific design, which Coca-Cola will buy, put it in their retail places, and make it available for their bottlers to use in promotion in their places as well. So it's not totally uh, licensed out. A lot of it is, in fact, Coca-Cola products that they've asked to be produced with their logo on us. Well, you know what? My friend just pointed out. Yes, you're right, Marisa, because that's what's going to happen after the show. I'm going to do a massive search for a Coca-Cola Aloha shirt. I'm going to have to have one. That's just <laughs> yeah. how I am. Oh they're, they're great. And I would imagine in California, they will be a really big hit. <laughs> I got to have one. I got to have one now. Oh, my gosh. Now, you came on because we're, we're, we're coming up on the Indy 500. You got it. And you, and you wanted to talk about that. So let's talk about that. Well, I think it's pretty unique. Uh, you know, we're all going to watch the big race. Well, not all of us, but a lot of us will on uh, Sunday. And there's a tremendous amount of Coca-Cola history, other than the fact that you can buy a Coca-Cola there. Um, Tony Holman, who basically saved the track. You know, the racetrack was shut down during the, uh, the World War II, and it was in bad shape. Tony, Tony Holman, who was from Terre Haute, Indiana, um, you know, their claim to fame is Clabber Girl baking powder, amongst other things. But anyhow, he was approached to buy the track. He bought it. Okay, so you've got Tony Holman buys the racetrack. Um, he's from Terre Haute, Indiana. Well, Terre Haute, Indiana is also where the Coca-Cola bottle, as we know it, was invented. It was designed and it was produced for the first time by the Root Glass Company in Terre Haute, Indiana. So now we got these two Terre Haute, Indiana uh, Coca-Cola related at the Indianapolis Speedway. Well, once once things kind of moved along for the Speedway and Tony Holman you know, became successful in that and other ventures, he purchased the Coca-Cola bottling plant in Indianapolis. Um, so all of a sudden now he's a Coca-Cola bottler besides running the Indianapolis racetrack. Not only did he buy the big Coca-Cola bottling plant in downtown Indiana, 
Indianapolis, but he bought a lot of smaller ones around the state, kind of a package deal. Um, ultimately, he built, had built a new modeling operation across the track in Speedway, Indiana. Same place. In fact, during the race, a lot of times you can park in the parking lot of the Coca-Cola modeling plant to go across the street to the races. But uh, so now Tony Hellman has saved the track. He's from Terre Haute, Indiana, where the Coca-Cola bottle came from, and he's a Coca-Cola bottler. But it's even better than that. The man who had the glass company that created, invented the Coca-Cola bottle that we all know, his name was Root, Chapman Root. His, and again, became very successful producing Coca-Cola bottles, and later he became a bottler himself. But his grandson got into IndyCar racing. Chapman Root had a car on the Indianapolis racetrack for 10 years, and it was called the Sumar, S-U-M-A-R Special. Uh, the name came from Chapman's wife, who was Susan, and from a partner whose wife's name was Mary. So we have the Sumar Special race car at Indianapolis doing a heck of a job. They never won. But the first year they ran, they came in sixth, and their driver, who was a rookie, was named the Rookie Driver of the Year. So they had a lot of good years in Indianapolis, and they were known for new designs, streamlined designs. They'd bring a car to Indianapolis, and it was Wow, look at that, you know. So, mm -hmm. so now we've got the Coca-Cola bottle inventor. His grandson is racing on the racetrack, and, is, and they're from Terre Haute, Indiana. His grandson has got race cars on the track. He didn't race them himself. And they they're represent Coca-Cola. Um, so this goes on for 10 years. They race at Indy. In the meantime, the Root family is deep, becomes deeply involved in Coca-Cola bottling. Besides making the bottles, they start becoming bottlers. And they have plants all over the United States and even, I think, in the Virgin Islands, as I recall. Um, and they became one of the top independent Coca-Cola bottling operations in the United States until they finally sold to Coca-Cola. But the whole thing, you've got you've got the racetrack, which ends up being Coca-Cola uh, owned, you might say, by the gentleman who owns the track, owns Coca-Cola uh, bottling. You've got um, race cars on the track that came from the family that created the Coca-Cola bottle. So, I mean, there's so much Coca-Cola history at the Indianapolis 500 that we have to stop a minute and think, how did this all happen? And to this day, the Root family and the Holman family, generations later, still live in Terre Haute, at least part of them live in Terre Haute, Indiana, and they are still friends, close friends. And you can bet this month, there's a lot of Terre Haute, Indiana, uh, keeping their eye on the Indianapolis 500, just like we will. So it, it's a fascinating history. And it, again, I think the thing it shows is the depth of Coca-Cola in this country, how people 
saw it as an opportunity, took that opportunity and ran with it. And in turn, they created opportunities for others, uh, from things like racetracks and, and bottling operations to museums to signs, big billboards and, and murals on the sides of buildings that uh, to this day, uh, communities are, are raising money to save, you know, save our Coca-Cola side. It's, it's amazing the love for Coca-Cola and its memorabilia in the United States. So really, I mean, there's just so much history with this and so many products that were made and stuff. I mean, I, I think about the time I traveled with my dad cross-country from Cleveland via Route 66. You know, and, and you run into all the mom and pops and everything, and, 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 and the Coke stuff is there. I mean, anybody can, can get in their car, really, especially with your book. You know, anybody can get in their car and, and, and take a ride and, and, run, and run into Coke history. Well, and, and you know, it's these people that are like, like you when you were taking your trip that are finding wonderful things. And then they're sending me emails or dropping me notes, whatever. They see me at an event. They say, do you know about? And the next thing I know, I've got another chapter for another book. Um, something I just learned, and now we're going to get into the area of professional football. I've got away from racing. There is, and I've, I just interviewed him a week ago. In Louisiana, there is a gentleman who worked for Coca-Cola bottling here in Louisiana for 30 years. At the same time, he got into coaching football, high school football, then into college football, etc. Okay. Well, you may remember it was a year ago, last season, that the NFL, in one of their games, I think it was in November, I'd have to look up my notes, had their first only totally black uh, referee team on the field. All of the referees were black. He was one of them. He made history with the other referees, and he came from 30 years of Coca-Cola bottling. He, he has refereed at two Super Bowls. He's refereed at numerous um, college championship games, Sugar Bowl and Rose Bowl for y'all out west there. This man, where did he get started? Coca-Cola running a forklift when he was in college and worked his way up to a management position within Coca-Cola. But all the while, Coca-Cola allowed him the ability, the freedom to go and become also addicted to becoming a, co a, a judge, a referee in football. He wanted to be a football player, and uh, he, he was told by one of the college uh, coaches where he tried to try out that uh, he had to think about coaching and he did and he got into it and he's a tremendous success story and a great man I thoroughly enjoyed interviewing him and um, it'll be in one of, one of my next books so again Coca-Cola its impact on so many things that we're familiar with he was able to accomplish what he did because he had the freedom from Coca-Cola to pursue his love of football at the same time. Great story. Interesting that man. That is a great story. That's a fabulous story. 
and there's a lot of, like you say, I mean, you have enough for a whole nother book to, to start writing again, right? Right. Well, actually, well, I've started a, I, you could call it a file, it's a box, okay? Mm -hmm. I, I do these things and it goes in a box, and one of these days we'll start putting it all together. Uh, we're going to have to come up with another name, though. We can't return to the trail. Maybe right. the maybe the adventure returns or something. I don't know. Or the trail continues. The trail continues. The you trail know. continues. Um, by the way, I, I heard you talking about your T-shirt. Yes, uh, sir. I'm not trying to... Um, upstage you here but it's ironic because we are in the process also of developing a t-shirt and it'll say it'll have the cover of the book on it and it'll say explore the coca-cola trail that's and, awesome you know so it's what do you what do you mean explore where do i find that right here in this book that's where you find it so but uh yeah you, you're on to it with the t-shirts too girl that's a, that's a great idea Hey, you know what? I was just thinking you talk about, um, the, you know, the Explore the Coca-Cola Trail thing. Now, which tire company was it? Was it Midas? There was a tire company that, that put together a touring book so they could sell their tires. And that's how they were. I can't remember who it was. I read it somewhere. And that's how they started. They had this little touring book thing. And that's how they got their tires sold in order to, to get people out on the road and to buy their tires. Well, it's time to get people on the road, that's for sure. And and that's one of the, the joys now is I'm finding more and more people are going into the country stores and the museums. I talk to these people, you know, to the, the store owners and the museums and uh -huh. so forth every day. In fact, today I talked to a gentleman up in Tennessee, and he said, we've got people back in our museum. He, he's in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh -huh. We've got people and we're running out of books. We need more books. So, um, boy, we're, we're getting back to normal, Charlotte, and it is a blessing. But that would be cool, you know, like to have it, like, 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 like you've got the book, The Coca-Cola Trail, but to summarize it and put together a, a, like a little travel book for people, like, like you say, at these little stores. Like, you know, the guy at the store could say, well, you know, we actually have some Coke history in town, but if you go down the road, you know, that way, six miles, you're going to run into other stuff. And here we've got a little book that, you know, a little travel book thing for you. A little quick guide. I like that idea. Yeah. And it would it would, it would sort of be a, a summary, a quick summary of uh, where you can go. And, and if you want more detail, we've got the big book to explain it, you know. That, there you go. Yeah. See? Yeah. See, that's just thought, food for thought. I'm not trying to upstage you. I'm just saying it's food for thought because I know I can't remember which tire which tire company it was, but it, it was on the it's for the Model A's, you know, you know those real old cars, and that's what they did was they put together a little touring book, so so it was incentive for people to buy the tires so that they could drive. Well, and you know the 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 fun part is to get out into the old roads, get off the interstate, you know, take the right. old road, take 66, you know. Oh my gosh, 66 it's is still great. Great adventure, you know. Um, and, and that's where these old country stores are, and that's where so much Coca-Cola history exists, is the, is the back road, so to speak. Have you, well, obviously you had to travel to write your books. Travel How long did you travel around finding all this stuff? Well, you know, I'm so thankful for the internet. Now, a lot of time, a lot of a lot of days, we we curse it a bit, but you can you can put a lot of miles on on the internet before you get in the car. 
you can research, you can you can track things down. Um, you know, you're a news dog, you know that. And that, boy, when I think of the old days, you spent hours and hours at libraries and museums looking things up. Now you, you know, you get on the computer, you say, where is? And most of the time you get a good answer, where, where is, you know? So it, it helps you cut down research time and allows you to spend more time on the road. Take some pictures, taking good pictures, you know? You know, and you and I are of the age that they even had, that they were still using microfish, which is really obnoxious. <laughs> For researching, you know. <laughs> but no, it's a today's today's connected world can take us a lot of places real fast, and, and I'm thankful for it. That's fantastic. So, um, so you're looking in, like you say, you you, you collect these these little stories. Then, how do you put them together? Do you have to go back and research it, everything that people send you? Um, yeah, I usually I do. If I if it if it's uh, you know if it sounds like uh, say if it smells like a good story, you know uh -huh. then you, you start to get into it and you you call other places, uh, you write people, um, and you start to get some answers in here saying yeah this is what let's let's go do this let's I, you know one one we should talk about uh, which is sort of mentioned in the well, it's mentioned in the first book. You know, Memorial Day, besides being race day, is also kind of traditionally the start to picnic, cooking out, and all that time, right? Uh -huh. Well, Coca-Cola as a bottled commodity is the result of a picnic, of a problem at a picnic, okay? Old Joe Bidenhard in Vicksburg, Mississippi, who was the first guy to bottle Coca-Cola, also had a little business. And, you know, he had a soda fountain and he had candy and a candy shop. And he, he would cater to little community events. What so happened, there was a picnic. I think it was a 4th of July picnic, so we're a little ahead here. But nevertheless, it was a big picnic. And he had been um, chosen by one of the groups there to sort of cater the picnic, to bring the beverages and the hot dogs and the goodies. Well, it so happened in his town of Vicksburg, Mississippi, there was a little bottler who was bottling, you know, sarsaparilla and orange and lemon, all that stuff, you know. And uh, so he went to the, this bottler and he said, I've got a picnic coming up and I need whatever, you know, so many bottles of orange or whatever. Well, as it turned out, it was an extremely busy weekend, 4th of July. And Bodler couldn't fill the order, but didn't tell Joe until the last minute. So here is Joe. He goes to the picnic to take care of his customers. He's making lemonade out there. He gets all done with it and keeps them happy, gets everything under control. And when he goes back to his soda shop, he says, this will never happen to me again. He goes to St. Louis, Missouri, buys some secondhand bottling equipment, mm -hmm. which, he, which he brings back to his little plant, his little soda fountain and candy store in Mississippi. And he said, now I can bottle my own. I don't have to count on old Joe up the street here. Well, it so happens that he also was serving Coca-Cola as a fountain drink. He was buying the Coca-Cola syrup in the gallon jugs or whatever, 
making it at his soda fountain, and it was becoming extremely popular. Now, this is 1894, and, you know, transportation isn't really great in 1894. And Joe's thinking, you know, if I could get this out to the people in the country, we could sell even more Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. And he thought he thought of that bottling machine that he bought, and he said, I'm going to bottle Coca-Cola. And that's how he was the first person to ever bottle Coca-Cola. 1894. It, wow. was, not, it was not until five years later that Coca-Cola finally said, you know, you, you guys ought to go ahead and bottle it if you want to. We think it's a dumb idea, but go ahead, you know. Right. So. We we can quit when we think about picnics and summertime. It was that picnic that provided the motivation for Joe Biedenhorn to become the first bottler of Coca Cola, and we know where it went from there. Hey, I have a question for you too. I've been thinking about this for a couple of minutes. When you drink root beer from the tap, because if you go to A and W or KFC or whoever the hell owns it now. And you drink it directly from the, you know, from the, um, from the keg, right. the tap in the keg. It tastes so much more fuller for some reason. Is I, Coke like that too? When when you drink it, I, you're I think it. well, the reason Coke tastes better from, if you want to call it a tap or whatever, they've got these fancy machines now where you can mm-hmm. pick forty different, you know, varieties. I think it's all in the in the, the maintenance. And the way those units are maintained. Now the Rupert thing, and even to some extent the old-fashioned Coca-Cola fountains, it's also less carbonated. Okay. It's just like my story about the coffee, the right. Coca-Cola coffee. It's less carbonated. The flavor comes through more. It's the same flavor, but it allows it to come through a little more. Oh, you. Talk about the root beer. We had when I was in high school, we had a little old AW root beer stand, just you know, not a few blocks from high school. And the, the root beer at that stand in those big mugs, nothing like it. It was great. And you know, today you can buy in some places AW root beer in a can. Mm-hmm. It's, it's right. disappointing when you think of the memories of those days. But that's yeah, I- I can tell you, I was completely taken aback because I remember going to KFC and having root beer directly out of that, you know, out of that tap or whatever, whatever that is. And it was just completely different taste. It was just, it was more fuller. It was cre- it seemed like it was more creamy, you know. And so I was just wondering about the Coke. I have a question in the chat room. What year did the Coca-Cola chewing gum come out? The flavored gum come out? What year is what going to come out? Uh, what year did the uh, Coca-Cola chewing gum be put on the market. Well, chewing gum. Yes. That I'm lost on that one. I've seen it. I have no idea when it started, but it's been around quite a while. There's just so much cool Coca-Cola stuff out there. And like oh, you say, people people don't realize the rich history of it. it it's it's on everything. It, it it's amazing. And the reason it's there is because of the magic of the name Coca-Cola. It's that simple. It, it's, you know, I didn't realize it when I started writing the book. I thought, well, this is cool. We'll write a little story about Coca Cola. You know, the minute that book came out, that first edition, the, I found real quick 
the loyalty to Coca-Cola and the people who loved it so well that they wanted to learn that history. It's been, it's been real rewarding. And I've got a lot of friends that have written books and, and you know, some of them history, some of them novels. And they just shake their head when I tell them how well I've done with this crazy Coca-Cola trail thing. It's, and I, I'm blessed. I have been very blessed with this. You've done very well with it, too. And I'm just thinking about the people, you know, it's, it's like anything else with timing. The people that got in on the ground floor of this, and, and, you know, and got the licensing to create the Coke, because they're the ones that did really well, too. I mean, it's just it's all about timing. Oh, it is. And, and you know, to think that Coca-Cola, when they were first approached, and that was Asa Candler, who owned a Coca-Cola and was making the syrup at that time. Mm -hmm. When he was first approached with the idea to bottle Coca-Cola, he said, and I quote, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> and, and he, I mean, it took some real arm twisting to get him to agree to let these two young entrepreneurs from Chattanooga, Tennessee, to, to finally give them the rights to bottle Coca-Cola. And he to show him how little faith he had in the idea, he sold them the rights throughout the United States, except Mississippi, that's where Joe was doing it, for a dollar. And he never collected the, and he never collected the dollar. And he told them when they got ready to go back to Chattanooga from Atlanta, if this doesn't work, don't come crying back to me. Well, you want to take it, just multiply that and see what happened. And they started selling territories of the, trip, the giant territory that they owned. One of the partners that got involved in that business was a Mr. Lupton from Chattanooga. He became a third partner. He then also went in partnership with future Coca-Cola bottlers. And his operation grew and grew and grew until the third generation of, of Luptons decided, we don't want to do this anymore. And they sold it all, all the companies, the whole territory, everything, back to Coca-Cola. Huh. Now, let's remember, Coca-Cola sold everything for dollar, right? Uh -huh. Okay, when the Lupton heirs sold all of their Coca-Cola back to Coca-Cola corporate, they got $1.3 billion. That's a pretty good return on a $1 investment. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a great return. Pamela says that uh, Coca-Cola gum started in 1903. Coca-Cola what? Coca-Cola uh, Coca gum. Oh, 1903? Could be. Could be. We, I guess we need to do some research and put that in the next book. There you go. See? Grab I your box. Who Toss created Did Coca-Cola create it? Or the person who's sending you this, do they know? And if not, we're going to find out. There you go. Yeah, she said she looked it up. So that's what she gave me. We'll have to find out how it got started in 1903. Was it, in fact, Coca-Cola? Or was it? one of the enterprising bottlers or maybe just somebody who said, I got an idea. Let's put Coca-Cola on it. You know, one of the things we've done, you talk about that for promotion. If you look at our website, 
we've got a Coca-Cola pepper jelly. Ooh. And it's made with the genuine Coca-Cola syrup. It's not made with Coca flavoring, Cola flavoring. We use, we don't, I, I've got, just like everybody else, I've got a, a, a group, a, a mom and pop operation that makes pepper jelly and they make good pepper jelly. And I went to them and I said, can you make pepper jelly with, with the Coca-Cola syrup instead of sugar? Yeah, we can do that. And they did it and it's delicious. And we use it just kind of as a promotional thing. Uh, it is available for sale. And it's, uh, of course, I'm partial, but it's pretty good. I'll have to try that, too. You got me looking at Hawaiian shirts and all kinds of stuff. Bad, Larry. Bad. <laughs> bad Very bad. bad. You know? Well, what the heck? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's all for a good cause. It's Coca-Cola, right? That's right. It's funny because you don't, you know, with the research you've done, me as, as a kid, I'm still not, you know, I'm not a kid now, but, you know, as you're growing up drinking this stuff, you don't realize, you know, what that history is because it's always been there. It's one of those things that's always been there. Yeah. Well, and I look back at when I was a kid, you know, and on the way home from school, you'd stop at the little local soda shop and and you'd, you'd, and sometimes you sneak down there on Saturday, you know, and you get your Coke and your bag of peanuts, right? You uh -huh. know, peanuts and the Coke. And just another crazy tradition that got started. And uh, I don't know if, I, if we talked about it in the last segment or not, right? The last time we talked about the, the bottler in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I don't think so. Go ahead. Well, there, there's peanuts in your Coke, okay? A bottler in Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, back in the early 1900s, got the rights to bottle Coca-Cola, started bottling it, and thought, boy, this is going to be great. So he took his first case of Coca-Cola to his favorite local grocery store, left it there, told the, 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 uh, the man that had the store, he said, I'll be back in a week to pick up the money. Well, he went back in a week, and they were using the case of Coca-Cola as a doorstop. Not a good sign. So, <laughs> so he got thinking, now, how am I going to get people to try this? This is a good drink. And he got thinking, I got to make them thirsty. So he bought big bags of salted peanuts. He had his kids repackage them into small bags. And he would take the little bags of peanuts and his bottles of Coca-Cola and he'd go to the football games. And he'd park his little truck and he'd sell bags of peanuts. Well, people buy, he, he had it figured out for every bag of peanuts he sold, he'd end up selling two bottles of Coca-Cola. And so that's how he got people to try the Coca-Cola. It became such a tradition that, that for years, the Coca-Cola bottler in Santa Fe, New Mexico, used peanuts and Coca-Cola as a promotional tool just to keep that old tradition going. So, you know, again, it's something little in your past that continues on. You know, it's great, the history of Coca-Cola. Is that why baseball get into having peanuts, too? Was it because of the Coke, or was that something else? Well, I, I guess we'll have to maybe give a little bit of a, Territory here to Cracker Jack, you okay. know that that 
that's the baseball thing. It's, you know, give me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. Of course, they do sell Cokes are too, and other beverages. Of course. Well, but, um, yeah, that's a, the, the story of Cracker Jack is worth another book too, but we won't go there. <laughs> so what do you have to say to people that, that want to get in and do some research on Coke? Read your first first read your book. That'd be the important part. Yeah, read, read the book. It'll it, it'll give you some ideas because we have we've just scratched the surface, you know. So if you read the book and you see where are these things going on, where is their Coca Cola history, then you know where to look. You know, um, everything from places maybe down the street. Uh, there's an old plant that somebody's made into a restaurant. Well, they've made into a, a, sh a little boutique shopping mall. Uh, there's some there's some great ones out there. So the next time you see something about what used to be the Coca-Cola plant right. in your town, don't ignore it. Take a look at that. What are they doing with it next? The key to it is to find something that has good access. You know, if they're making it into an, a law office for attorneys, that, that's not going to work. But if, they, but if they're making it into a brew pub, and a lot of them have done that, uh, if they're making it, the one in Paducah, Kentucky, is gorgeous. And it's got a, a brew pub. It's got a couple of boutique stores. It's got a pizza joint. I mean, and it's a beautiful old Coca-Cola bottling plant. It's, it's very historic. That's up in Paducah, Kentucky. And there's a lot of those around. But then look at the other things. Look at this. Look at the murals. When uh -huh. you when, when you see in your in your community that somebody's raising money to restore a Coca-Cola mural, well, what's the story to that mural? Well, why? Why are we trying to save this mural? Well, nine times out of ten, they're going to tell you because it's part of the memories of this town. Um, up in uh, Arkansas, there's a small college, and I wrote about it in my second book, a, a small little college up there where the art professor took a group of his students, and as an art project, they restored a huge Coca-Cola mural in that town and, and gave the effort to the community because the community wanted it done. Um, there's also, to take that to a larger step, in Georgia, at the University of Georgia, old Uga over there, the art department teacher has a group of students, and that's what they do. They go around the state of Georgia restoring Coca-Cola murals. They get paid for it. It goes into a fund for their art department, and, and the students pick up a little college money in the process, and they've done some fabulous murals. So, I mean, it's not just buildings. It's murals, it's stories, um, it's towns that might have a unique Coca-Cola history. Quincy, Quincy, Florida, okay? The town of Coca-Cola millionaires. And, and why did that happen? Because some banker said to his customers, if you want to survive the Depression, if you want to come out of this thing, buy Coca-Cola stock. And he convinced so many people in that town to buy Coca-Cola stock that for years the town became known as the town of Coca-Cola millionaires. And, and that's a good story. And, and there's, some, there's some interesting uh, 
opportunities, photo opportunities in Quincy to uh, to go with that story. So it, there, it's all over. You know, we don't have a lock on it, and we don't have enough years in our life to do them all. Here's a question I have for you because we were talking about um, Coke out of the tap and uh, you know versus what you get in a bottle. Did you know? Did you notice any difference between what you're tasting in a can and and a bottle at all? I do. I prefer a bottle. I'm not sure why. Maybe maybe because it. Yeah, I don't know. Does it hold the the flavor longer? And I say the flavor, the carbonation. I don't know uh-huh. why, but. Uh, but cans are so convenient, and cans are good. I mean, you still get a good flavor. Heck, my my Coca Cola coffee that I love that comes in a can, you know. But <laughs> um, but my preference is bottles, okay, and okay. and I think a lot of that goes back again to the old six and a half ounce returnable bottle. You know, it's just it's a memory thing. You pick up that bottle. That's the one I'm so familiar with. It feels good in your hand. You know, there it is. By the way, I I came across. And I didn't know these existed, but apparently they did for a while. Um, must have been pre-plastic um, um, bottle days. I came across a six-pack of 32-ounce returnable bottles. That thing weighed, that six-pack, it must have weighed 20 pounds for six <laughs> bottles of Coca-Cola. Each bottle was 32 ounces, and in that six-pack, four of them were still had the Coca-Cola in it. Amazing thing. That is I, amazing. You know, and, and I, I talked, I'm not a bottle collector, and uh, I, I called one of the bottle collectors that I knew I'd met through doing research. And I said, what do you know about this? He said, not a lot. He said, they didn't make a lot of them. And he said, we really don't have a price on them because it's just not something that's in common, you know, trade out there amongst collectors, but it's definitely rare. So six pack of 32 ounce returnables. Tells you how old they were because they were returnables. And obviously they were before the days when Coca-Cola in 32 ounces came in plastic, you know. Obviously, if that, that would have been heavy. But you could have knocked somebody out with that. Easily. <laughs> Another question I have for you is, have you had the opportunity to, to tour a Coca-Cola plant? Oh, yes. One of my favorite uh, places that I toured was the one in Atlantic, Atlantic, Iowa. And I wrote about that in the second book. And again, it's a... A family operation has been since they started, and they just kept, they held on, and they kept getting more territory. Atlantic, Iowa is not a a big city, but, you know, they had a nice territory, and they kept getting bigger and bigger, Des Moines, and now they have like six states that they have product in, and they still bottle right there in Atlantic, Iowa, not only do they bottle, but they can. And canning by an individual Coca-Cola bottler is not a common thing. You know, back in, uh, I guess it was the 60s, 70s, Coca-Cola told their their bottlers, you guys better get ready for canning because Mm -hmm. it's coming. And people don't want to take bottles back to the store anymore, and they want to throw things away, and cans are the answer. Well, a lot of bottlers are like, how in the world are we going to set up a canning operation? 
So many of them got together and formed canning cooperative, which would can the Coke for several bottlers and would eliminate each bottler having to put in a canning operation. But it came, why? Because we like to throw things away. You know, we don't want to take an empty back to the store. Where's the garbage can? And that's how we transitioned into, into the cans. And it became a challenge for Coca-Cola to maintain the taste in the cans as well as in the bottles. And they've done a pretty good job with that. I think it's fascinating to, to visit bottling companies. You know, I've done wine to tours of wine places, but I also watch um, how how it's made. You know, on on this, uh, is that Discovery or one of those channels? And they were actually doing a canned beverage, and they were showing how the the cans are blank. You know, the outside of the cans are blank. So not only do they have to um, put the beverage in the cans, they have to put the label on the cans too, in order you know to to for for that particular market. Right. It's just fascinating to watch the steps that goes into all this, you know, to watch them do that. You know, and, and having done um, the stories on the early years mm-hmm. and having seen the old hand operated, you know, one bottle at a time and then to go to a plant like Atlantic, Iowa, and just see those bottles whizzing through, you know, it, how far we've come. Same thing, I went through a bottling operation up in Tullahoma, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing up there. It's just amazing the way they, they crank them out. And that, that plant in Tullahoma, besides bottling Coca-Cola um, in several different styles, bottles and plastics and so forth, they also bottle the Dasani water for most of the state of Tennessee. And they've had to put in a special water, what do you call it, electrolysis system, I guess. You're getting into engineering where I'm not. Um, to purify the water and so it can be a, the Dasani water. And uh, they bottle that at that plant as well. And it, it's, they say that water, they, they start with the basic, you know, city water, run it through the process. They say the water is so pure that it will not even carry electrical, well, any electrical current. You know, so it's wow. Coca-Cola bottlers, they, when there's a need, they're going to meet it. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely incredible to think about. And then to watch them actually, like, it's amazing how the machines, as fast as they move, can hit the target every time, every <laughs> to, time. Get the, to get the liquid in there. Because that's just crazy when you watch them. Yeah, I, have, I actually have a bottle capping machine somewhere around here that I don't know how we got it. My sister, I don't know if my sister brought it in or who brought it in, but somewhere around this house, there's an old bottle capping machine. Well, you know, the computer controls and everything now, they just don't make mistakes. I, you know, going back to my college years in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I toured a lot of breweries, okay, mm-hmm. and uh was fortunate enough to have some friends in one, and uh, it was tradition. They would bring home what they called the shorts, you know, the bottles that didn't quite get full. They were short. So the employees could bring those home in a bucket case or something. You know, there's no shorts in Coca-Cola, believe me. Oh, yeah, it's incredible to watch. My gosh, you know, every time you're on, we just blow right through the hour. Well, it's fun, Charlotte. I enjoy being on with you. And, uh, you know, it's Coca-Cola. We could 
we, we go in into the wee hours and never work <laughs> out things. So, but I appreciate it. I hope I hope you have a, a good, as do your listeners, a good Memorial Day. If you're watching the 500, have a Coke. If you're not watching the 500, have a Coke. If you want to get my book, that would be nice. Have a Coke and read my book. How do so, people get your book? Well, the easiest way is the website. CocaColaTrail.com, and if you put a note in there, I'll even, if you want me to, sign it to you. Okay. There you go. See that? Simplest way, if you go through all these other, or if you find it in a store, most of the stores that have it, I've signed them. Okay. So there, there are a lot of stores and museums that have them, but if if there isn't one close by, go to the website, put a little note when you're ordered. I want it signed. And if you, you know, want my name or somebody else's name, I don't care. We'll sign it. And, uh, I'll sign it. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll get it on. So that, that's the easiest way. Coca-ColaTrail.com. And uh, we'd, we'd love love to have more people read it. What, for one last thing, to give people, let's say there's somebody that hasn't tried Coca-Cola. How would you get them to, to try it? That's a good, good question. I, I guess I, I would just describe how it is to me because I'm not, I'm not a typical Coca-Cola holic, as they call uh -huh. them. I'm someone who has picked up a Coca-Cola and have enjoyed it. And the reason I've enjoyed it, I would explain to them, it's, it has a flavor that doesn't. It's not overly sweet. You know, you can enjoy it and walk away from it without going, uh, you know, that, that thing when you have too much sweet. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, it's a unique product. How they have been able to maintain that flavor through all these years and through all the different things they've done and still maintain that flavor, pretty amazing. So, you know, try try a, a, a taste of history is the best thing to tell them. They, you know, try, try a taste of something that has lasted longer than, than they ever thought it would. And it continue, continues to grow. That's perfect. That's awesome. Larry, as always, it's been wonderful. We had a blast. And we're definitely going to get you back on again to talk some more. Like you say, we could talk for hours about this topic. And we want to talk for hours about this topic. I've already got people in the chat room asking to have you back on. Look at that. Look how popular you are. Well... Uh, it, it's fun when you get a, when you can talk about something that you like. It's fun, and, uh, and 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 you make it fun too, Charlotte. So, yeah, we'll do it again. Uh, it'll give me a breather here to add to my my box, as I call sure. it, my box of stories, and uh, I'll have some new ones for you. Sounds good, Larry. Thank you so much for being on. I Thank really you. appreciate it. Yeah, All okay. right, you have a good have weekend. A good, you too. Bye bye. Okay, guys, that was fun. It's always fun to talk to Larry and learn more and more about Coca-Cola. I don't know. Now I want to drink it. I'm not allowed to drink that stuff because of my heart problems. But uh, I really miss drinking like co drinking stuff like Coca-Cola. But if I can get those Coca-Cola Tic Tacs, that might work too. Kind of suffice, you know, Coca-Cola flavored something. Anyway, thanks, guys. Monday is going to be a special show. Um, Karen Clark is going to be on with me uh, to talk about some of the ghostly haunts around Sacramento and around you know the areas of woodland and the gold country and stuff and karen doesn't come on very often anymore she's got health problems 
but I was able to convince her to come on. So it's going to be kind of fun because Karen at that time was our lead field psychic uh, on, on this team. So you can get a lot of you know insight to what or whom we were dealing with on these cases. Um, like, you know, when I talk, told, told you guys about the uh, shadow man and the couple of shadow men that we run into and stuff like that, you know, Karen's contacted them first town and she, you know, when she was there and, and so it's, it's going to be some really cool insight. So that'll be Monday's show. Again, you see me uh, with the uh, ticker thing going on below my, my face. And that's because this show is funded out of pocket and it, every little bit helps. California Haunt is a nonprofit organization and so any money that we get in does go back into the operation to pay for equipment. But mostly right now, it's going back in to pay for the show. So, you know, or my, my internet fees, my computer fees, my, you know, my uh, my fee on StreamYard here to have the show on. So anything you can do to help us out would be great. $5, $10, whatever. Also, the Patreon is coming up. Uh, I'm putting more and more goodies on that. So we're going to be doing that. And that's going to have some special interviews and stuff. I may even do a special interview with Larry on the Patreon, you know, that you guys will have to have to become members to see. I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas around. Um, the T-shirts, again, will be out on Friday. And uh, I'll have you know, I'll have that up Monday for you guys to see what, what the T-shirts actually look, at, look like. And remember, anybody that suggests a guest that, that ends up being on the show, we'll get a free t-shirt. I'm also looking, like I said, I'm also looking at sunglasses, you know, a pair of sunglasses to get as giveaways too. But anyway, I'm glad you guys came to the show. And I was I was really happy to see y'all get, get involved with the chat room and all that good stuff. And I will see you on Monday and have a good have a good weekend and don't eat and drink too much. But here is Larry's book right here, so you can remember what it looks like. So you can go to Larry's website and order that book. If you want, learn about Coca-Cola. I know I've read it, so I'm real excited about it. Okay, so there you go. Anyway, I will see you on Monday. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.